tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. My prayer today is these words will speak to you where you live and create lasting change. Hey friends, I have somewhat of a different podcast today and I want to spend the next two casts talking about Hipster Jesus. Now, when you see that title, you have a lot of different conclusions that may come to your mind. And today I just want to share about how we look at Jesus in our own personal lives. A lot of people have what's known as a historical Jesus. Some have a spiritualized Jesus. Uh, But today I want to kind of go into who is Jesus in your personal life. And as we close out 2020 and look forward into 2021, it's very important that we have a right understanding of who Jesus is. Because in our faith, our belief system, Jesus is not just a resource. He is the source of everything. The Bible portrays him through the 66 books as the Son of God, as the man who came, who set aside his deity, and to identify, to redeem, and save man from his sin. And as we look at our world, as we near the rapture, we see the deterioration of our nation, we see the deterioration of our faith, uh, we see great apostasy and delusion, Uh, our environment really must be defined correctly. And so many believers, because of ignorance and misinformation, have a hipster Jesus. They have an idea of Christ based on their own understanding or a cultural acceptance. Well, in persecution, everything is tested. I believe our faith will be tested, our convictions to see if there really is steel in what we believe will be tested. Some will embrace and advance and others will make an excuse and back off. And I'm just thinking with you today that we need to guard what is sacred. In our understanding of the Bible, our understanding of our church, our understanding of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, the, uh, our Savior, uh, it's, it's very important to have it clearly in our hearts and mind what we believe. Otherwise, if it's not clear, if it's general, we will have a hipster Jesus. We will have an ecumenical Jesus. We will have a free-thinking Jesus. And I'd like to spend some time today talking about those terms because I see so much ignorance today and misinformation. And this can happen to all of us. So I'm not saying I am know everything or anything of that nature. But I want to provoke us today uh, that if we move away from the image of Jesus Christ portrayed in the Bible, we will be deceived. We will add something that wasn't there before. We will take away something that was there before. And all of a sudden, a hipster Jesus, uh, it will be our will be our understanding. Now, what do I mean by that? A hipster? Well, in the 21st century, it's a subculture that is defined by claims to authenticity and uniqueness. Yet, ironically and notably lacking is authenticity and uh, conforming to a collective style. That's a mouthful right there. So a hipster is uh, a person who follows the latest trends and fashions, especially those regarded as being outside the cultural mainstream. 
So, you know, you can think about a hipster, maybe they look a certain way, they talk a certain way. But the mindset is someone that it's a subculture that is defined by claims of authenticity and uniqueness. They do not hold to tradition. They do not hold to organized religion. You might talk to somebody on the street and they say, oh, I'm, I'm not a part of any type of organized religion. Well, how convenient that is. Uh, anything that's anything needs to be organized. Now, we understand as believers that organization is not the end all to be all, but uh, we want to have it organic, of course, but uh, spontaneity is, is on the uh, hinges of preparedness. So a hipster Jesus here, this, this mindset uh, is really dangerous because, again, it's Jesus on my terms. It's something that is unique and authentic based on my opinion or my understanding. That's why when you maybe talk to people, uh, you know, people may accuse God or be angry at God and say, why is that person suffering? Or why does that person, why do bad things happen to good people? And these are legitimate questions. Why does God allow suffering? Uh, these are legitimate questions, but they cannot be answered correctly unless we see, based on the character and nature of who God is, that, uh, you know, we cannot have Jesus on our terms because uh, his ways are so much higher than our ways in Isaiah 55, verse 8. So when we think about our world full of liberalism, uh, think about that today uh, politically and also in our culture, there's a cultural liberalism that goes hand in hand with this hipster, out-of-the-box, freelancing, free thinker. Uh, it's the elevation of feelings and what is acceptable defines values on culture and freedom. It's the freedom of views based in moods of the people rather than, the tr rather than, the, than absolute truth or traditions that have been proven. Another word for cultural liberalism is progression or progressive views. Uh, and this leads us into another system of thinking, you know, where the believer that moves away from the Bible will then begin to mix viewpoints and other religions to a smorgasbord of understanding where it's very confusion, very confusing and very general. See, the devil always has a foothold in the general idea of things rather than precise biblical truth. When it's precise, the narrow way, the narrow way leads to life. It leads to a broad way because it's one decision that leads you into a broad outcome. A broad way actually leads you into a narrow outcome. So, and broad way is what leads to destruction. Again, thinking about cultural liberalism, uh, again, we're, we're, we're seen here because of the ignorance and misinf misinformation of Christians because they have or we have put God on our own terms. It, it again brings out a ecumenical belief. Now, I want to look at this word ecumenical with you. Uh, and this must happen as our world becomes more global. Uh, one world government is... Uh, again, forming, we see the religion, the tribulation, that uh, we, we see a very um, general Jesus, a very general Jesus here, a very compromising Jesus, where uh, people come together. 
They compromise. This is what ecumenical belief is talking about, a compromise of truth for unity. Ecumenicalism is a movement or tendency towards worldwide Christianity or unity of cooperation. Sounds good, doesn't it? But at what cost? Again, it doesn't stand for the truth of the Bible, which can be offensive. Again, uh, we don't want to offend anybody, but actually the cross is the greatest offense against the flesh. And this is where true resurrection life happens. You know, the Bible isn't, or the Holy Spirit doesn't work on Adam. It, it crucifies Adam, but it grows our, our eternal and spiritual life. So when we look at the Bible, it's not meant for our flesh. It's meant for our spirit. So the ecumenical belief, again, it's compromise of truth and for unity. Okay, This term, which is recent, emphasizes the views of the Christian faith and unity among churches based on situational ethic. What works for the moment? Not absolute truth, which has been proven and written and uh, defines the dogma of, of the will of the Father, the will of the Word of God, but instead it's based on situational ethics. What works and is acceptable for the moment? based on the world's value system. This is so dangerous because the devil has real advantage with ecumenicalism. Okay, It's a definition of referring to or representing the whole of a body of churches or trending towards worldwide Christian unity of cooperation. Okay, Again, we're seeing that people are... Uh, Again, holding fast to an idea that is accepted in culture and therefore brings people together, not based on the Word of God, not based on the teachings of Christ, but based on cooperation and working for some fleshly goal. It might be uh, hidden or masked in a social agenda. Uh, it may be masked in some sort of like natural feel-good thing, but really uh, ecumenicalism is the demise of the church. So when you see people that have a coexist kind of, uh, you know, maybe you've seen those, uh, those um, bumper stickers that say we coexist and it shows all the different, um, you know, religious uh, signs. You know, again, Jesus says you, we, we do not exist together on that level. We're here to love and care for everyone, to serve everyone, absolutely. But uh, we, we do stand on one specific truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Word of God is the absolute truth. Uh, so therefore, we cannot coexist with Muslims or uh, any Eastern mysticism um, or uh, this whole this whole idea of Chrislam, where Christians and Muslims coexist, where all roads lead to heaven, this broad way is a destruct destructive way. Another thought about, um, you know, a hipster Jesus is a free thinker. Maybe you've talked to somebody on the street and they say, oh, I'm a spiritual person or I'm a mystical person. Uh, and when you start to talk about God with them, and get more specific. It's always interesting when you start to talk about Jesus Christ with someone that you can see their body language change. Well, we can talk about God all day, but when you start talking about Jesus Christ, 
there is a great shift, a great uneasiness, uh, but not for the true believer. The true believer is in Acts 4.12, Jesus is a name above every other name and the only name by which you are to be saved. So a free thinker is a person who thinks freely or independently, one who forms opinions on the basis of reason independently of authority. Uh, it's one who rejects or is skeptical about religious dogma. Again, they are a person who rejects accepted opinions, especially those concerning religious belief. So free thinkers are often defined by their rejection of religion, or at least of any organized form of religion. They are included, free thinkers are included as atheists, agnostics, rationalists. No one can be a free thinker who demands conformity to the Bible, creed, or even the Messiah. And to be a free thinker, revelation and faith are invalid. Reason is a tool of critical thought that limits the truth of a statement according to the scientific method. So, that's a mouthful. Again, someone might say, I don't believe in Jesus, I believe in science. Well, that sounds convenient, but uh, it even sounds smart, but it's ridiculous because Jesus made science. History is God's, it's his story. So again, when you talk to an evolutionist or you talk to someone that is uh, a hipster, Jesus is based on their opinion, um, then there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of vagueness. There's going to be a lot of cultural liberalism because, again, they're thinking freely and independently of Scripture. Mark it down. If, if I leave the uh, focus of Scripture, then, then my idea of Jesus, my idea of the world, my biblical worldview will change to a liberal worldview. Now, as we go into 2021 and things are becoming more blatant and more um, things are pushed on us. We really have to understand who Jesus is, who Jesus is. And we want to guard what is sacred because if we don't garb it, guard it, uh, there'll be a compromise. We'll give up something very precious to meet the need that's temporary. So we don't want to have a progressive Jesus. We don't want to have a hipster Jesus. We don't want to have a, a free thinker. And you know, in our, in our post-Christian world, we meet a lot of students. I remember meeting a student on one university, and I, I asked them, what is truth? And they said, that which is referred to the most. I said, let me just talk that back to you for a minute. So a truth that is referred to the most is what you define as truth. So I, I pointed to a car that was yellow, and I said, okay, now if I said that car was green 10 times, then that would reflect truth. And the person said, yes. And I said, so you're defying reality and you're creating another false reality. So it's absurdity. It's absurdity, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. That's why people may kill in Jesus' name. You know, people may do things or say things or uh, assassinate people's character in Jesus' name to be transparent. You know, there's a situation I'm, I'm following and it's like, there's never a time in the Bible where Jesus says to assassinate someone's character. Um, even with Noah, who got drunk, uh, and that's a wicked thing, and he there was uh, sexual impropriety there with his daughters, and and uh, his sons, one walked in and saw him and told the other, 
and the other came and put a blanket on him as he walked in backwards to his tent. What was the difference? One was uh, maybe, you know, wanting to be justified and, and, uh, and try to correct the situation. Another one said, I'm going to cover my father, not cover in the sense of compromise, but I'm going to, but love covers or love is between me and the sin. Um, because again, as we judge people or try to assassinate people's character or try to elevate someone's sin, uh, what happens? Their sin comes off of them in Romans 2, 1, Romans 14, 4. And that compound judgment now is my judgment because now all of a sudden I'm, I'm a judge and I'm no longer, you know, Jesus is no longer the greatest judge. I'm the greatest judge. So someone might say, you know, you may communicate to people and say, you know, something from the Bible and... And they may say, oh, you're judging me. You're judging me. Well, judgment is based on opinion and cultural uh, acceptance where discernment is a kingdom. It's a kingdom issue. It's judging between the precious and the vile in Jeremiah. Uh, So again, discernment is based on the word of God. It's based on the absolute truths of God. Not judgment. Judgment's all about popular opinion, progressive thought, free thinkers, and uh, definitely based in emotion. So, got to be careful of that. So, absolute truth, Jesus always promoted the the, uh, word of his Father, the gospel of the kingdom. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times and in all places. It is something that is always true no matter what the circumstance It is a fact that cannot be changed. So when you think about Jesus, our Savior, he is our Savior. He came to redeem, love, care, lay down his life, sacrifice he who became sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Yes, we have the Jesus also in the uh, temple with the money changers. He was throwing over tables and and had a cat and nine tail whip and he was whipping the religious leaders. That's our Jesus too. He has a righteous anger. Uh, and, and this is what's uh, beautiful where holiness cannot coexist with filthiness. So again, the God of the Bible, he's a man of war and he's also a man of peace. It's almost like a... Uh, Uh, A little bit of a paradox. Uh, You know, Jesus was a revolutionist. He was not a conformist. He did not have duplicity, but he was singularity loyal to his father's will. Now today, it's, it's interesting how many have the theology of apology. They're just apologizing six ways from Sunday. And obviously, we want to have God's kindness and God's wisdom and care but we never need to apologize for the Bible. Why? Because it's the absolute truth of God. Someone might say, oh, you're so narrow. Well, that narrowness is a decision that brings us into a large place. So when we, for instance, when we accept Christ as our Savior, uh, he accepts us just as we are. And through love and obedience, we are conformed to his image. Somebody might say, oh, I don't want to receive Christ because... I have to give up all these things. Well, let's ask yourself this question, like what are you really giving up? And really, is it adding to your life? And is it really bringing you to a higher place of purpose? And the answer is probably no. But falling in love with Jesus, receiving him as our savior, brings us into the purpose 
that he has created us for, and that's to know him. So Jesus was a revolutionist. He absolutely was. He was not a conformist. He had no pretense or duplicity. He was there. He spoke to the heart. He knew what was uh, superficial, and he was very bold. And some may say, oh, he was an extreme extremist, and I would say he was. He was operating one way, was the only way, and that was the way and will of his father. Where a cultural liberalist or a free thinker or a hipster would be so concerned about people's responses, people's interpretation or the mood of culture. And in doing so, if that is the case, we elevate culture above convictions in truth. Well, we need to guard what is sacred and watch compromise. Now, Jesus wouldn't be accepted by most Christians today, I think. I think uh, people would find him intolerant. They would find him uh, irrelevant. They would find him uh, abrasive. Well, when you look at the work of Christ throughout the Gospels, I mean, he was constantly upsetting the religious leaders. And, And isn't that interesting? Legalism is always going to be an enemy to who Jesus is. Jesus and his grace uh, teaches us to deny ungodliness, but it's certainly grace is, uh, is the government and person of Christ, and therefore it is, uh, it is the core and interpretation of how we see Jesus today. And um, so in our pagan culture, in our compromised culture, in our, uh, you know, as we look at Acts, we can see the progression of persecution will ultimately mobilize the remnant. But we can also say, listen, uh, the devil hates the church, and there are Saul's looking to create much, much problems. But notice the the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. So with persecution, nobody wants that, but we see that it's going to move people out of their complacency and comfortability and will understand the price of the gospel and share it with the world so that ultimately he who came to seek and save that which was lost will be the gospel we've spoken. So again, Jesus, uh, when we look at him, Uh, We can say that uh, here's a couple of paradoxes, that kingdoms are about ruling people, but God's kingdom is about serving people. Again, two different objectives. Kingdoms are about hierarchy. God's kingdom is about equality. Kingdoms are about dominance, and God's kingdom is about openness. uh, Kingdoms are about control. God's kingdom is about freedom. Kingdoms are ultimately about power. God's kingdom is all about weakness, for when we are weak, he is strong. You see, the kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. It is something uh, totally supernatural. And that was quoted by John Caputo. He writes this. He goes on to say this. God chose the outsider, the people deprived of power, wealth, education, high birth, high culture. Theirs is a royalty of outcasts, so that from the point of view of the of the ion, the age of the world, the word kingdom is being used ironically, almost mockerly, to refer to those pockets of the despised that that infect and infest the world. 
for this kingdom of the low-down and low-born, the excluded, are the very people who precisely are the victims of world power. This is the weakness of God. So John Caputo, C-A-P-U-T-O, writes these things as a contrast to a hipster Jesus, a hipster or free-thinking plan um, comparatively to the God of the Bible. Think about that as our world becomes more a one world, uh, the unity will be compromised so that people will, uh, again, embrace the heart of man and reject the heart of God. There's no way the cross uh, can come in. You know, Tozier talks about a, a, a shiny cross where the cross or man's idea of the cross is bettering himself. He is there to uh, make himself feel good and to, uh, again, have a watered-down Christianity where the old rugged cross is all about death and resurrection. It's a place where we die and, and we are resurrected in Christ. Well, this is, this is powerful. God is saying, I am going to lift up the beggar in 1 Samuel 2.8 from the dunghill. I'm going to raise him off his heap and I'm going to set him on a throne. The world rejects these, um, these people. That's why the rich get richer and the poor get poor and the rich ignore the poor. Why? Because it's all about power with them. Jesus was not here for power. He was not here to make friends. He was not here to do anything but to lift up the work of his father and to preach the kingdom of God, to preach the grace of God. That's why when we look at churches today and we see a great number of them closed, we see a great number of them that have compromised with the rainbow flag in front of their building. By the way, if you see that, that's just Ichabod. That's, uh, look it up. It's Ichabod. It's the glory of God has, has left the building. As Elvis has left the building, the glory of God has left the building. And people might say, oh, we're just trying to serve and identify with the age. Well, that's not, we don't become like the age to identify the age. We become and lift up the love of Christ. And that, that love of Christ then becomes a, uh, a vehicle that leads us beyond where we are. So, for instance... Uh, love doesn't leave us where it finds us, but we're not the same after we've received the love of God. We become uh, mature in the words of God. So today, what kind of Jesus do you serve? Um, do we boast in a hipster Jesus or do we boast in the glory of, of the cross, laying down our life? And this can't be done. This cannot be done on our terms. This cannot be done in uh, based on feelings our culture is so based on feelings and if it feels good and we have to have this emotional devotional to work up our emotions no 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 jesus i'm sure wasn't feeling so great on the cross as he was being scourged and nailed to a tree but love kept him there truth kept him there the father's plan kept him there so i just challenge you today in love uh you know that let's Let's lift up who Jesus is as the God of all comfort, the God of the Bible, uh, that he really is 
there to uh, set the captive free. If you look at Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, he's there to preach and minister to the brokenhearted, to bind those that have wounds. He's there to uh, not, not to duplicate man in the greatness of man. Oh, man is so great. I must duplicate how great and how great and good man is. No, no, Jesus is not there to do that. He's there to see us lay down our life and pick up his life. It's the Ephesians 4.24 principle. We put on the new man and we reject the old man. And this can't be done unless we say no, unless we say no to ourself and yes to Jesus. We are second. He is first. So just to encourage our hearts today, uh, when we talk to people that are ignorant of the Bible, we want to be so careful and caring and we want to in, uh, educate people that are humble and willing to learn the God of the Bible. And this is where ignorance and misinformed Christians are actually very dangerous people. They're dangerous. Why? Because they will project or accuse God or assassinate people's character in the name of Christ. And they'll elevate the sin of someone when God himself doesn't remember our sin. He puts our sin in the deepest sea in Jeremiah 50, 20, in Micah 6, 8, and 7, 9. So hipster Jesus, free-thinking Jesus, evolution, all these post-Christian uh, persuasions, we say, nope, we're going to hang on to the simple truths, the absolute truth. And I love this truth that is true all the time and in all places and cannot be changed based on circumstance. Can't be changed based on my feelings. We are saved and we're blood-bought and sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 1.13. Uh, even if we don't feel saved, God says, you are my child. That's an absolute truth. Your abs heaven is an absolute. Hell is an absolute. Think about that. A prepared place for unprepared people. Hell, a Christless, Christless eternity. Uh, an absolute truth, the word of God. Every word, even every punctuation in the Bible is anointed. And there's a warning in Revelations not to mess with the Bible, not to change it, because you will inherit the plagues of it. Absolute truth, we see Jesus said, even on the cross, you'll be with me in paradise. You will be with me. That our last breath on earth will be uh, our next in heaven. So uh, organized religion, well, I would say this. We have an organic faith. We have an organic relationship. Do we organize things? Absolutely. We want things done decently and in order. But is it restricted to organization? No. We have freedom and we have spontaneity, and we have um, willingness to be sensitive to the work of the Spirit. So today, let's not be ignorant. Let's not be misinformed. Let's read our Bibles. Let's uh, hear the Spirit, what he's saying to the churches in these last days. Let's not be duped. Let's not be manipulated. Let's not conform Jesus into an image based on ourselves uh, or based on our, on our ways of of thinking or our, our ambitions, let's lift up the unadulterated truth. And simple faith defeats sophisticated, complicated uh, darkness every time, every time. That's why your prayer, that's why when you speak the Bible, 
That's why in a spirit of love, you communicate truth. Guess what? It is the power of God which sets people free in John 8, 31. Never apologize for the Bible. It's not our job to defend the Bible. The Bible defends itself. Our job, our privilege, our mission, our ministry is to present a clear picture of who Jesus is. And in doing so, that will be the catalyst to tearing down the strongholds of the devil in 1 John 3, 8. Well, we got to close. Hope this encouraged you today. Think about what we're talking about and be encouraged that the gates of hell will not prevail against this Jesus, against this kind of church. And let's, uh, let's uh, again, present a gracious uh, God, Jesus, let's present that way, but also a truth, a truth, absolute truth, backbone of a believer uh, who will stand when everyone is walking away or slipping away or making excuses. Let's stand on the truth, and this truth will prevail every time. God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.